Please stand clear of the doors. Por favor, manténganse alejado de las puertas. Welcome aboard the Walt Disney World Express Monorail, our highway in the sky. For those of you standing, please hold on to the handrails throughout our journey and stay clear of the doors. For the comfort of others, no smoking, please. Thank you. Folks, you're listening to Two Men in the Mouse, episode 209 on the White Dragon Podcast Network, recorded live at the White Dragon Studio in Orlando, Florida, and Rogue Comics in Cranford, New Jersey, on September the 4th, 2020. This is your everyday guide to the magic of Walt Disney World and the larger Disney universe beyond it. My name is Kevin Kessler, and I am joined, as always, by my good buddy, Peter Mandel. Hey, Kev. Hey, Pete. What's going on, my friend? Not much. Welcome back. We, we missed you on the last episode. I know. I wish I could have been here. Yeah, folks, we are two lifelong Disney fanatics who have managed to keep the magic of Disney alive in our lives every day. We want to share that magic with you. So pull up a chair, gather the family, or pop in your favorite set of headphones, and let's experience the magic together. Pete! Kevin. Yeah, uh, we missed you on the Sifu Mimi episode. Um, she she um, was only able to do a Wednesday, and that, of course, is new my, comic. My day of conflict. Yes, that is new comic book day. So, like, yep. no matter what, the show can never be recorded on a Wednesday with Pete. It's, it's probably the only day we've never done, like, something for the show. We've recorded on Mondays. We've recorded on Tuesdays. We've done Thursdays. We've done Fridays. Yep. We've even done the weekends. But Wednesday is, like, the Wednesday is just the no-go zone for Pete. Yeah, it is a long day for me. It is every every week. But you know what? It, it's, it's a good thing now that everything's reopened and comic books are flowing That's true. again. Um, Very true. Even with DC having only like a third of its staff left. Uh, unbelievable. I know, it's insane. But anyway, we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about Walt Disney World. And we're going to do that with the news brought to you, as always, by our good friend and sponsor, Dave Weikert of Magical Travel, who will plan your Disney vacation for you at no additional cost to you. You can always reach out to Dave at DisneyDaveW at Verizon.net. And hey, folks, he'll plan your vacation for free. It's a no-brainer, really a no-brainer. Um, I got to call Dave today. I'm going to do my universal reservations for this trip I may or may not be taking. but uh, Right. You're still completely unsure. Yep. Uh, so my, the My Disney Experience app is getting a walk-up wait list for restaurants, and that is now available. That's currently live. Did you hear about this? I did hear about it. Yeah. So parties of seven or less can view expected walk-up wait times and then add themselves to the wait list without any cast member interaction which obviously social distancing, so that, that's what right. they're shooting for. Uh, Epcot was the first to roll this out, offering this at uh, Beer Garden, Coral Reef, Garden Grill, La Cellier, and Rose and Crown. From September 2nd, Hollywood Studios joined the system with 50's Primetime Cafe, Hollywood Brown Derby, Mama Melrose, and August Cantina, and the Sci-Fi Dine-In Theater Restaurant. Uh, on September 3rd, Magic Kingdom started offering Be Our Guest, Jungle Navigation, Skipper Canteen, Liberty Tree Tavern, the Plaza Restaurant, and Tony's Town Square Restaurante. Uh, to get started, you find the restaurant in the My Disney Experience app and choose Join Walk-Up List. So I think that's I, pretty cool. I think they're doing this not so much as an advance in technology as a way to encourage people to go to sit-down restaurants. Yeah, And I only say that because I made my ADRs the other day for my trip. And for the first time in my entire life, when I tell you that I got every meal I wanted to the minute that <laughs> I asked for it, yep. there are no reservations gone for meals, which means no one is eating in these places. There's only one 
uh, restaurant that I found it impossible to get into still. Which one? August Cantina. Right. Didn't try that. And again, calling that a restaurant is, you right. know, kind of. But I mean, uh, it already had such such limited capacity. And then when you put that at what? It has to be a like 25% or half capacity. Right. I mean, you're 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 not having a lot of people in there. So it's pretty much impossible to uh, to try to get in. Right. But I, I'm going to next time I'm in uh, Hollywood Studios, which I think is going to be later this month. I will try the walk up list for August Cantina to see what happens. Yeah, why not? Yeah. I mean, I tried. I was there on September 1st uh, for my friend's birthday and we walked up and we tried to um, we we tried to get in for um, August Cantina. And they weren't taking any walk ups. It was only reservations. And there were, of course, none left. Uh, right. But we had a we had a good day at Hollywood Studios. We got pretty much everything done. I mean, I, boarding group seven, dude. Boarding group seven on Rise oh. of the Resistance. So is that the lowest you've ever been? Yes, by leaps and bounds. And like yeah. another another friend of mine who was in the park who who literally was was trying to get in at the exact same time got boarding group twenty seven. So it's such an interesting dynamic around the park when the boarding groups open because everybody's literally doing it, and you just hear these cheers of like triumph rise up from all around you listen when the time comes and i need to do this you know i'm nervously gonna be like hitting you up for tips and of course as is my friends went the other day and i was texting you like because they couldn't get in it ends up there was actually something wrong with the system they went to guest services and guest services just put them on the ride oh wow um of course their my disney experience was malfunctioning surprise surprise um but I am always curious, is it, is it better to be on the Wi-Fi? Is it better to be off the Wi-Fi? I, was, I will tell you, I was not on the Wi-Fi. Typically, Should you have all people in your party try? Yes, and that is, that is my tip. So typically, I will sit. I will get there beforehand, and we will sit at one of the tables at Men and Bill's Dockside Diner and just okay. kind of camp out. Like maybe get a pretzel or, something, or a coffee or something like that and be like, all right, this is, this is where we live for the next like 20 minutes. And the second it hits, everyone in your party tries to do it, and then the first one that gets it gets it. Okay, but it's so important. It but it's important to remember to select everybody in your party, like when you're picking. But if you've done the park pass like together, then everybody should be pre-selected because, like, me and my friend were pre-selected this time, which was which was good because when you have to s- cycle through your your list of people to like pick who you're with, that's when you lose. Right. Can I go in ahead of time and just bump people off my list? I did that. I'm serious. Like I, I, I do. I have to have all these people on my list. I'm not going to go with anymore. No, you don't. You, it's you can you can delete them. I, I actually ended up doing that uh, before my last trip because I was solely for the purposes of being able to get that boarding group. Right. Because I'm going to try and do that. Worst comes to worst, uh, you just I'm add them go. again. Right. Yeah. But I would have I know, like, my you, brother's I would have on you, my list. But, and yeah. I love my brother, but he can go back on later if he ever goes back. With right. Us. I I would have you, Heather, and Ethan all trying at the same time. Right. Well, I'll definitely have Abby because she's a little bit more tech savvy. Than oh, is she? I didn't. You know, I keep thinking of Abby as like this little tiny kid, and yeah. I realized that like she's getting... she's a twelve year old girl, which means she's automatically more into anything like okay, this than yeah. we are. So if you if you want like if you're if if I if I manage to catch you while you're here, which is a very rare occurrence, I can I can give you the walkthrough on how to do it. Like I can show right. you on the app and everything, so that you you walk in prepared because you have to be prepared. And I mean, like, watching your phone, the second it turns 10 o'clock, you are right. doing it. So, 
you know, may the odds be ever in your favor, my friend. I did hear that uh, Rise of Resistance seemed a little more operational this week. Yes, it, it definitely. Like, I didn't notice any downtime or anything like that. So. Right. Well, I mean, last week and the week before were kind of helter skelter a little bit. I mean, what's also good is, and honestly, I hope this is here to stay, though I assume that it's not. Um, that when you go on to um, Smuggler's Run, it's just your party. Um, I bet you that's here to stay for a little bit. I mean, that is one of the things that I absolutely look. There's so much about socially distanced Disney that I don't love that I that I hate. Of course, um, the lack of park hopping kills me. It's a stab in the heart. Uh, the characters interactions not being there. I absolutely hate it. The Haunted Same. Mansion stretching room and so many of the other pre shows not being around. Horrible. Uh, the one thing I love is that I don't have to sit with other people on Smuggler's Run. <laughs> yeah. Well, are they packing in multiple parties for Rise of Resistance? Uh, no. So what you do is um, when you go into the uh, pre-show room, you're given a number now. And you have to stand on your number in the pre-show room. And right. then when you go into the ship that's going to take you off Batu, you also stand on your number. And then when you're in the Star Destroyer... They only put two parties into a prison cell, right? So okay, it's, but so, it's you and one oh, other. So, it's you and one other party, and then you get your own. Your party gets their own vehicle. Interesting. Was there a party vehicles. of one? You get your. You, I I did that. You get your own vehicle. It was just me. Uh, and, well, why. it was technically a party too. It was me and Morty, but um, right. you know, I had my own vehicle. And that's why, like, in the second Morty Monster goes to Rise of the Resistance video, Morty's a lot more vocal on the ride and, like, talking to R5 because oh, that's awesome. there was nobody else in the car that I could, like, disturb with crazy puppet antics. So right. I was just like, I'm going to take full advantage of this situation because it's never going to happen again. Okay, so the Park Pass system, is it here to stay forever? The answer may shock you. Josh DiMauro... Uh, the the head of uh, the Disney Parks chairman mentioned that Walt Disney World is choreographing the guest experience and pushing technology via the My Disney Experience app in a way that Disney has wanted to do for a long time. He pointed to the Disney Park Pass reservation system as well as mobile order, contactless payment, and various virtual queues. Regarding the Park Pass system, when asked how long it would be around, Demaro said that Disney the Disney Park Pass reservation system is here to stay. Yeah, I mean, when they said that in the beginning, they made it seem like it was something they wanted to do anyway. I just find it interesting because if the park pass system is here to stay, but let's say some form of uh, park hopping comes back, which it has to. Park hopping has to eventually come back. Like I can't imagine a world there's no park hopping. So, like, let's say you make a Magic Kingdom park reservation, but you can park hop, right? I paid actual money for the park hopper option on my pass. Right. Like, can I just go to Epcot today? I mean, I would assume that once uh, here's my this is only my assumption, like based on just me, like just trying to figure out what I think they would do. I would assume that it would be like your fast passes where like after you use your three, you can make another one. Like after you check in at Magic Kingdom, you can probably go on the app and be like, I'm going to Epcot next. And on a day where and on a day where there's no pandemic, like 25 percent capacity, you're never going to have a problem. I would right. assume, right? I mean, because the only days that it ever hits capacity, the parks ever hit capacity is like Christmas Day and right. like Fourth New Year's and Fourth of July. So, right. I mean, I would assume that it's just going to be an extra step. That it, it, and when you think of it in that capacity, but like if they're going to continue like limiting annual pass holders, 
like on when you can go and stuff like that, that's going to be like hell. Because like, could you imagine you have like the, this like park hopper day planned and you go and they're like, oh, sorry, you can't go to Hollywood Studios. I think you're going to see that. I don't think but so. Again, I don't think so because once the once there's no pandemic to worry about, it, it right most days world, it won't matter. It won't matter, ex- right. except for those like really busy times, which are times where I don't want to go anyway. What about this though? Like you don't really band out of the park. No, you don't. So like, you know, let's say it's a high capacity day and studios is like pretty packed, but then like two o'clock, people are like leaving. Like theoretically, you should be able to allow more people in than you had yeah you know what i mean yeah i I mean that is interesting because like you know when it comes to like the stores they have cast members at the entrances and exits of all the stores marking how many people are entering and leaving right unless you have people at the exits of the park marking how many people are leaving as as the which i could see them doing which which i honestly i think they're already doing that oh are they I, I have a feeling that they're doing that. I, I'm not 100% sure. Um, I remember being there for New Year's, you know, 20 years ago. And, you know, the packs, the parks were, you know, packed max capacity. And I remember thinking like, oh, man, does this mean I can't go back to my room if I want to and come back? Right. And I asked. I was like, can I go and, like, leave and come back? They're like, yeah, you were already here today. They're like, so you can just come back in. Okay. And I'm like, oh, interesting. Uh, yeah. That, that is. So here's the direct quote from uh, the chairman. He says, the technology doesn't only help us during a time of a pandemic, but I also think it actually leads to a better cast and guest experiences, uh, casting its experience. So these are things that are helping us now, but I think they're here to stay. Now, I mean, things like mobile ordering, contactless payment, virtual queues, yay, all for it. As far as the park pass system, I don't think it would be, like, like we just said, I don't think it'll be a huge issue. It's jarring when you hear it at first, especially given how limited capacity is right now. But right. that's not going to be a problem forever. So, if it means that, like, before I go to Ep- before I go to Epcot from Hollywood Studios, I have to like check in that I'm going to Epcot. I- I'm okay with that. Right. <sighs> All right. Resort news. Um, here's some big Dave Weikert news. Uh, there's major resort discounts going on right now for Disney trips. Did you see this? There are. I, I I took part in it. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna read you the uh, Dave rebook your trip at the lower rate. Um, so play, stay, and save at Walt Disney World Resort this fall and holiday season where magical moments are waiting for you. Save up to $500 on a four-night, four-day Walt Disney World Travel Company room and ticket package at select Disney Resort hotels. Valid for stays most nights September 4th through December 25th, 2020. Book through December 25th, 2020. Important details. Advanced reservations are required. Cannot be combined with any other discount or promotion. Offer excludes the following room types. Three-bedroom villas, cabins at Copper Creek Villas, and cabins at Disney's Wilderness Lodge and Bung at Disney's Polynesian Villa, Polynesian Villas and Bungalows. Um, also, if you are a resident of Alabama, Georgia, Kentucky, Louisiana, Mississippi, North Carolina, South Carolina, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia, you can discover great savings on rooms when you take advantage of this special offer. You can get swept up in seasonal fun and save up to 30% on rooms in select Disney Resort hotels for stays most nights September 4th through December 25th, 2020, when you book through December 25th, 2020. Those are huge discounts. Yeah. 30% off a room like that's more than than a, than the cast member rate usually is. It's crazy, right? Except that, well, around the holidays the cast members usually get like 40% off, but um yeah, that is absolutely crazy. So, 
this uh, so the first offer is for everybody. The one where it's say five hundred nights on a four night four day stay. Uh, the second one we read about the thirty percent off is only for residents of Alabama, Georgia, Kentucky, Louisiana, Mississippi, North Carolina, South Carolina, Tennessee, Virginia, and West Virginia. Uh, the re- your residency will be validated at the time of reservation through credit card billing address. Additional per adult charges may apply if more than two adults per room at a Disney value, moderate, and deluxe resort or studio at a Disney deluxe villa resort. Advanced reservations are required, cannot be combined with any other discounted promotion. Offer excludes the following yeah, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so, guys, contact Dave Weikert. Like, he can book this for you, and it's it sounds amazing. I mean, like, if you feel comfortable going at this time, then Disney has just made it better for you to be able to go. So there you go. Uh, now, big news out of the Polynesian Village Resort. In resort news, it is remaining closed until summer of 2021. Yeah, I, you know, at first I was like surprised to see that. But then in hindsight, that makes sense. What's funny is like it just had a major refurbishment. Right. That, so when I first saw the blurb, you know, didn't know right. anything. I was like, wait a minute. Like... It can't be like a refurb. We just did that. But then, but it is. I'm like thinking it out. It makes sense. Disney will be refurbishing the hotel beginning in October, which will include changes to the Great Ceremonial House and guest rooms. A Disney World spokeswoman told the Orlando Sentinel on Monday that changes to the rooms will include a move to a Pacific Ocean-inspired color palette, as well as details, patterns, and textures from Disney's Moana. The villas and bungalows at Disney's Polynesian Village Resort will remain open during the refurbishment. The revised reopening schedule for resorts now looks like this. Uh, September 21st, Disney's Grand Floridian Resort and Spa fully reopens. October 14th, Coronado Springs Resort opens. November 1st, the Art of Animation Resort. And in summer 2021, Disney's Polynesian Village Resort. Disney All-Star Resorts, Port Orleans Resort, Beach Club, and Boardwalk Inn continue to remain closed until further notice. So there you go. Uh, no water park news this week. No Disney Springs news, but we do have some. Ma- we have a, a couple of Magic Kingdom news items. Uh, Cinderella's Royal Table reopens September twenty fourth, but there will be no princesses in attendance. Hmm. Why go? I know. Like, there's no point. You know, I would like to tell you that you know the mystique of eating in the castle is so fantastic. It's not though. It isn't, and the food is not like so drop dead nope. like. You know, oh, can't miss this. Like, there's really no reason to go to Cinderella's royal table when there's no princesses. Like, that's why you go. You go for the princesses. Yep. Because I mean, if you have a little girl uh, or a kid who just a kid who loves princesses, or you love princesses, you can knock out every major princess except for Cinderella and Anna and Elsa, um, and Merida. Well, okay, so you can knock out a bunch of the major princesses, not all of them, uh, right off like in one swoop. Definitely. Gaston's Tavern will be reopening today, September 4th. That's exciting. I like Gaston's okay. Tavern. I typically it's it's a breakfast location for me, like a cinnamon like a nice cinnamon roll at breakfast. Yeah, they got that big Mickey cinnamon roll, right? They do, and I really enjoy that. Uh and you know, if it, like I just I miss the pork shank though. That was amazing. I don't even think they have the hearty beef stew anymore that they used to have. Hmm. But that pork shank was can't miss. Like I really hope that comes back someday. It was the perfect compliment to the turkey leg. Halloween is coming to the Magic Kingdom on September the 15th. This is huge news. Huge news. Fall celebration will take place September 15th to October 31st. As expected, there will be special Halloween-themed cavalcades with Mickey, Minnie, Pluto, and Pals wearing their favorite Halloween costumes. According to Disney, quote... 
For the first time, guests of all ages can wear your funniest, Disneyest, most creative costumes during Magic Kingdom Park regular operating hours from September 5th to October 31st. As an important reminder, costume masks are not permitted for adults. Only children younger than 14 years old are permitted to wear masks. I mean, other than the face mask that you already have to wear. Right, right. <laughs> Along with decor and cavalcades, you can also expect a range of merchandise and treats for the fall. So they basically turned Not So Scary into every day. Yeah, that's kind of cool. You can wear a costume to the Magic Kingdom during... Uh, that's game-changing. Is it? Yeah. People are gonna go nuts. Dude, people are gonna go nuts for that. People need ho- some Halloween this year, and everybody's saying there's gonna be no Halloween. Yeah, you're right. This is a great way for people to have their Halloween. Yeah, no, L- I look, agree with you. Will there be trick or treating? I'm sure no. You know, th- nobody's handing you stuff. But nor are you gonna be reaching into giant bowls of candy. But right. I, th- I think that this is re- a really great way to kind of spread that Halloween feel, starting September 15th. So you got two weeks of costumes in the Magic Kingdom. I believe I'm going to be in the Magic Kingdom during this time period. Uh, I mean, I know I am. I'm sorry, not two weeks. It starts September 15th. Goes to, so you got a month and a half of costumes in the Magic Kingdom. Right. I will definitely be there, and I, I got to put together a costume now. Huh. What are you going to do? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, Morty Monster has a number of costumes for him. He can go as Batman, he can go as Superman, he can go as, like, a Jedi. He goes as a Jedi, he has a Darth Vader costume. Like, there's so many things that he could do. I don't know, I gotta figure it out. Maybe I'll finally do my Dr. Doofenshmirtz uh, costume. There you go. It's a pretty easy one to put together. Yeah. Lab coat, a black turtleneck, gray gray slacks, and and black shoes. And I would love, to do it really authentically, though, I'd want to put, like, a fake nose on. You'd have to uh, get Morty to be... Um... Perry the Platypus? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've been following... Morty has a TikTok now, by the way. Oh, nice. Yeah. Ranting um, out. Morty has a TikTok, but I follow... the reason I bring that up... You can follow him on TikTok at uh, Morty Monster and Friends, but the um, the reason I bring it up is I follow Dan Povenmire, who's one of the creators of Phineas and Ferb on TikTok. Okay. And all he does is Doofenshmirtz stuff, and I love it. Like I'm, so, I'm, I'm like here for it. So, uh, no Epcot news, no Animal Kingdom news. Uh, we do have some Hollywood Studios news, though. Hollywood and Vine is set to reopen on September 25th, featuring Minnie's seasonal dining. According to Disney, quote, you can get in the spooky spirit during Minnie's Halloween dine with a monster feast served to your table, where you'll be able to wave and snap photos of your favorite Disney characters, such as Minnie Mouse, Mickey Mouse, and their friends. It's a boo-tastic time filled with Halloween decor, music, scary good food, and more. There you go on that one. Also, the ABC Commissary will be reopening on, on October 8th. I mean, you know, I feel like we've all turned our noses up at the ABC Commissary for years. I gotta I've got. i never eaten there. I've got to say, it's good. It's, it's really turned around. Like, the food is... I heard that. It's some of the best quick service food you can get on property. Like, it, it's like restaurant quality. So, love it. All right. And that's the news this week. All right. Uh, before we go to commercial break, I wanted to bring up one little thing. If you guys won't mind me taking a minute of, of shameless self-promotion... Um, the audiobook for my first novel, Rossinanti, is currently available, uh, as is the audiobook for the follow-up novella that bridges the gap between books one and two, Rossinanti, The Decimation of Cassid. So I have two audiobooks out. Both are on Audible um, and Amazon. So if you don't have Audible, you can go to audibletrial.com, and they'll actually give you a free audiobook for doing a trial period. 
and your free audiobook could be mine if you wanted to listen to it. Um, if not, then you know it's on there. If you are already an Audible member, you can use your monthly credit for it. Uh, but people have asked, so I wanted to let them know. R-O-S-I-N-A-N-T-I, Rossinanti, or just look up Kevin J. Kessler on Amazon, and um, you can get the audiobook. So, and if you get it, I want to hear um, how you like it. You know, I- I'm all I'm always down to hear reader theories and all that other fun stuff. So I'm I'm 100 down to hear stuff like that from people who are reading or or listening to Ross and Andy. I got a great. I'm not the narrator. I got a really great uh, British narrator to uh to do it and he he's got a very soothing voice so i think i think you guys will like it a lot all right um and all right so we're gonna take a quick commercial break here from our sponsors and the rest of the white dragon podcast and we'll be back with our e-ticket attraction of the week it's world tour time coming up next you know pete it's hard work planning a disney vacation of course your whole family has to get going you got to pack everything up you got to figure out where you're eating you got to figure out where you're staying but you know what makes life so much easier makes your trip planning a more fun experience tell me that sounds like something i need absolutely you need a travel agent do we know one of those we absolutely do we know our good friend and sponsor dave weikert of magical travel the official travel agent of two men in the mouse folks we've both used him yes we have dave weikert plans our disney vacations all the time and we would not recommend him if we didn't use his services ourselves dave started his cranford based business here in 2008 and in that time has been planning hundreds of Walt Disney World vacations. Dave plans every trip as if it were his own and you will never find someone more passionate about Disney. Very easy to work with and will do his best to make sure you're satisfied. Working with Dave, you're likely to pay less and get more. And what's better than that, Peter Mandel? Tell me. You never pay a charge for Dave's services. It is 100% free. Dave will plan your entire trip for no additional cost to you. That sounds awesome. Absolutely. Dave has helped over 875 families enjoy their Disney vacations. A graduate of the College of Disney Knowledge, Dave has visited every Disney World resort and has personally stayed at 12 Disney World resorts. He's dined also at every Disney restaurant. He's crazy about Disney food. That is an accomplishment. Absolutely. I wish I could say I did that. That's like the snack challenge times 10. Yep. Dave also gives you Disney dollars for land packages and shipboard credits for any Disney cruise line vacations you might be going. Uh, This can be used as cash at any Disney destination or store. Traveling with kids in your party, Dave will also provide you autograph books for all your kids. He gave them to us? Absolutely. Your kids went down with Dave Weicker autograph books. Of course. Well, Disney autograph books supplied by Dave Weicker. Depends how his name on Dave simplifies your life by booking your complete vacation, including resort stay, airlines, Disney meal plans, and park passes. Also, checks daily for new discounts. When specials are announced, he immediately checks availability and rebooks your vacation at the lowest possible price. Dave can also book all your Disney dining and will do his best to get hard-to-book reservations like Cinderella's Royal Table and Be Our Guest. It's really, truly a no-brainer. Folks, take the stress out of your life. Dave Weikert of Magical Travel, the official travel agent of Two Men in the Mouse. If you and your family are taking a trip to the Orlando area this year, your little ones deserve to stroll in style. Lugging a stroller from home can be an annoying and frustrating part of the first leg of your journey, and renting those hard plastic strollers from Disney theme parks can be both costly and uncomfortable for your kids. Well, I'm here to tell you about the solution to your child transport problems, and that's Kingdom Strollers. Kingdom Strollers is a Disney-featured stroller and crib provider that does exactly what you're looking for at a great price. Not only is it less expensive than renting a stroller from the theme parks themselves, but these are padded luxury models with features like drink holders, canopies, storage baskets, and more. What's more, 
you keep this stroller with you for your entire trip. Whereas park rented strollers, you gotta return them before you leave the park that day. This is gonna make those late night post fireworks bus stop queues so much easier and dad's shoulders are gonna thank you for it. So, how does it work? You just go to kingdomstrollers.com and make your selection on the stroller or crib that's right for your child. Just let the good folks over there know a great time for delivery and pickup and where you'll be staying. You can pick your stroller or crib up from the luggage stand at your resort and then drop them back off there at the end of your stay. So pack light, leave your stroller at home, and save up to a whopping 50% versus park price stroller rentals when you visit kingdomstrollers.com. Hello, humans! My name is Morty Monster, and I'm... Uh, well, I'm a monster. I'm here as an exchange student from the Monster World, where growing up I fell in love with the world of human pop culture. Unfortunately, not a lot of monsters share that passion, so I came here to experience all of these things that I love and to share that passion with all of you. I do this through my YouTube channel with regular video blogs. One of my favorite things to do is film while in the theme parks of Orlando, Florida. Join me in Walt Disney World, Universal Studios, SeaWorld, and more. I'll also be reviewing comic books, web videos, TV shows, movies, and other awesome stuff. Find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash MortyMonster. I'm on Instagram as MortyMonster and friends. I'm also on Twitter as MortyMonsterBFF. From there, you can find a link to my YouTube videos. Please like, subscribe, love, sign up for notifications and more for all the Morty content. I can't wait to share my adventures with all of you. Morty Monster. Hey listeners, this is Mark Daniel, and you're listening to Two Men and the Mouse. Folks, we've had a great time bringing you the Two Men and the Mouse world tour up to this point. We went through all of the Magic Kingdom, starting at the parking lot and working our way all the way around to all of the themed lands of that magical park. Well, after the Magic Kingdom comes a very special other park. It was Walt Disney's last great project. It's Epcot, the experimental prototype community of tomorrow and now that we're done with the magic kingdom we have boarded the virtual monorail here on two men in the mouse and we have uh, journeyed across world drive over into the magical world of epcot and that's why for our e-ticket attraction of the week our world tour continues with epcot specifically central future world this week so pete the way we're gonna have to do this is we're, we, I'm breaking Future World into three sections because there's so much to get to. We're going to talk it. about Central Future World today and kind of the background of Epcot. We we're going to do Future World West, Future World East. I'm not sure in which order. Uh, and then we will go to World Showcase. where We'll probably try to take like three pavilions at a time. If Perfect. That, if you think that works. Uh, now, because there's so much up in the air right now about Epcot and, and what's going on with Future World, we're not sure what's still happening, what what is on hold. So I'm kind of, for this one, I kind of took like a, let's talk about the history of Future World. Let's talk about what was there before the walls all went up. 
And then at the end of Epcot, we will do one final bit about what is what we're sure is coming. Just because I'm very confused about what's still happening and not happening and right. all that other stuff. So, uh, all right. So are you ready to dive in, my friend? Let's do it. All right. Well, let's start with the original concept for Epcot. Walt Disney's experimental prototype community of tomorrow, Epcot. A personal vision Walt had. And one of the last great ambitions of his life. Now, it was not intended to be a theme park, as you know. Correct. It was going to be an actual city, an actual futuristic city where people would live. Could you imagine if that happened? Like, would you want to live in Epcot? Of course. I mean, could you imagine how expensive it would be to live in Epcot, though, like today? Oh, yeah. Like, if, if the city was actually created back in, like, the like the, the 70s, like it was supposed to be, and, like, you could live there today, Epcot would be so expensive to live in. Oh, yeah. Um, the technology of the city would be cutting edge, showing the very best of what urban planning had to offer for the day. It was to be the centerpiece of Walt Disney's Florida project. The Magic Kingdom was not intended to be the centerpiece. In fact, Walt was only going to build a theme park in in Florida in order to finance Epcot, according to what I what I the research that I did today. Like the theme park was a means to an end. What he really wanted was to create Epcot. Hmm. I could believe that. Yeah. Yeah. Following Walt's death, the company decided against building a city. Now, and I think that really, like, Walt was the guy who would, like, kind of, like, throw caution to the wind and be like, no, I'm going to do this because I believe in it and because I want to do it. I I feel like when, you know, like, him and Roy clashed on creating Disneyland so much that I I feel like once Roy was in charge, it was kind of like, yeah, we're not going to build a city. So, do you wish they would have built the city or are you happy with what we have? No, it's impractical. Yeah. I, you know what? Walt probably could have made it work. I feel like he could have also, but... Now, the principles of Epcot guided much of the creation and layout of Walt Disney World and the Epcot theme park in and of itself. That could be seen in the transportation network, as well as in the Reedy Creek Improvement District and Lake Buena Vista, which Disney both started. The park itself opened on October the 1st, 1982. Nice. Ooh. Yep. Uh, the original Epcot Center was very different from Walt's personal vision, Future World, the opening area, drew from the original theme of World Show, uh, drew from the original theme of Epcot, with World Showcase acting as what they described as a permanent World's Fair. Now, we have to start with obviously the most exciting thing about Epcot: its parking lot. You have five different ways that you can arrive at Epcot. You have the Skyliner, the Friendship Boats, which both come in through the International Gateway. Uh, you have the bus system the Disney buses, the monorail, which both let you out in front, and, of course, by car in the parking lot. Now, of course, you can also walk to Epcot from Hollywood Studios, uh, the Swan and Dolphin Resort, the Beach Club, the Yacht Club, and the Boardwalk. So multiple different ways to get to Epcot, but we're going to go with the parking lot. It is a whopping 160 acres, this parking lot. That is the size of 140 football fields and can hold 11,000 cars. Now, I couldn't find this information online, but it was told to me by a uh, person driving the parking tram. So this is parking tram, parking tram announcer uh, trivia. I don't, I, I, it is not confirmed, but they told me, they, they said that uh, Spaceship Earth was supposed to be in an area where the parking lot currently is. Huh. 
and because it was like the direct center of like what they were trying to do and it might even be the center of of Walt Disney World I'm not 100% sure on that uh but apparently there was like an endangered woodpecker that lived in like some of the trees there and they they were not allowed to like bulldoze its habitat so there's like this big like wooded area with trees that still exists in the middle of the parking lot that they call Woodpecker Woods <laughs> Uh, and they just Have kind of built around area? it. Yeah, yeah. Because he point the reason he said it was because he pointed it out. It's over by like where like the overflow parking is, like the parking lots that are like way on the other side of Epcot. Right. So, which is great because the woodpecker probably left like you know six months later. Yeah. You know, I actually noticed like the last time I was at Epcot when I was driving out, one of the roads uh, leading into the, um, the parking lot is called like Woodpecker Lane. Okay. So, you know. Take that for what you will. Uh, the security checkpoints are all new in Epcot currently. As you walk up, they're in a, a different spot than they used to be. Everybody goes through the um, you know the detection system. The uh, and then once you're through, there's souvenir stands just beyond those, uh, where you can buy things like autograph books, pens, uh, soft drinks, uh, ears. Have you, have you ever bought anything from any of those? Um, like kiosks outside of Epcot? I don't think so. Yeah, I don't. I think I may have bought like sunscreen out there one time when like I desperately needed it. I remember. I can remember looking at them. I don't know if I've ever bought anything. I've bought beverages from there too. They also have soda machines there that take credit right. cards. So I do like those as well. Um, and then you go through the touch points. And there's also a Joffrey's coffee stand right outside, which I have frequented uh, for early morning rope drop days at Epcot where you get a giant donut and a cup of coffee. The entrance. Uh, now, formerly here, this is where you found the Leave a Legacy location. Yep. These giant, polished monoliths. Uh, there was room for 700,000 one-inch squares on 35 sculpted monoliths. They did not fill them, Peter Mandel. What? Really? No. Uh, surprisingly enough, they did not get 700,000 people to do this. They couldn't find 50,000 people to do that? No. Uh, so the here's the official description about Leave a Legacy from Disney. Throughout history, people have marked important events with special, unique creations or by dedicating something meaningful to them. At Leave a Legacy, located just inside Epcot on the west side of the main entrance turnstiles, you, your family, friends, and loved ones can leave a personal record of how you celebrated the new millennium at Walt Disney World. Leave a Legacy was created by Walt Disney Imagineering as a tribute to this milestone occasion. It is both a work of art and a family album where guests can mark their moment in time and form a one-inch square digital photograph etched on a commemorative metallic tile mounted on the beautifully sculpted Leave a Legacy granite monoliths. Single and dual image tiles are available. Visit the Leave a Legacy information kiosk near the base of Spaceship Earth or on the bridge between Future World and World Showcase at American Adventure in World Showcase for more information. Don't miss this unique opportunity. Create a special reminder of how you celebrated this historic moment at Walt Disney World. Did you like my announcer voice there? Yeah, that was good. I could have done it as like Don West from, uh, you know, like the, the old QVC, like throughout history, people have marked important events. <laughs> Sign up for Leave a Legacy now, and we'll throw in Flopsy, the retired Beanie Baby. <laughs> uh, there were five photo caption stations at the entrance plaza. This was all uh, between 1999 and 2001. The price for a Leave a Legacy. $35 for one person or $38 for two. Max was two people. So for your family, you would have had to get two squares. 
So you, how fast do you think they knew this was a bust? I have no idea. I have no idea. But it began as part of the Millennium Celebration from October 1st, 1999 to January 1st, 2001. I got to think that that there was not a huge rush to do this. Right. Like after the first two months, they, they must have been like, oh, people stopped doing this. Interesting. Yeah. Now, the, the Leave a Legacy, they still exist. They, they've been moved. They yep. kind of moved them off to the side while they're... Um, then you have the entrance fountain. Origi- originally, when Epcot first opened, you had these three clear pylons that stood atop the fountain when the park opened. That was replaced by the stone fountain that came with Leave a Legacy uh, around the turn of the century. However, the pylons are now back. They are bringing it back to the original uh, fountain, and you can actually see those pylons over the construction walls currently. You know those aren't the original pylons, right? Well, they're, of course they're not the original pylons. but they. Do you know what they did with the original ones? What did they do with them? They sold them on eBay. Did they really? For how much? Well, they probably sold them to like a wholesaler, and they sold them on eBay. I right. remember seeing, it was like, first off, what are you? Are you driving some crazy like double long truck to go pick them up? Yeah. Like, what are you doing with them? But someone somewhere owns them. Yeah, I mean, obviously they're not the original pylons, but they brought back the original design of the pylon. I do like, like the way the, it looks. The concept yeah. of it. Um, of course, as you walk through the park, you have wheelchair. As you're walking towards Spaceship Earth, you have wheelchair and stroller rentals off to your left. And if you look to your right, you will see a character spot. Uh, typically now this is Pluto, or at least it was before you know pandemic times. I had seen Daisy there in the past. I had seen Donald there, and I believe I've seen Goofy there. Yeah, we've gotten all four of them there at some point. Although you're right, it's been Pluto most recently. Yeah, um, which because I don't think Pluto was in the Epcot. Was Pluto in the Epcot character spot? Yes, right. No, no, he nope. wasn't. No, it was just Mickey, uh, Goofy, and Minnie. Yeah, and it was Donald back when it was four. Remember? Yes. Way they, back moved Don- they moved Donald into the Mexico Pavilion. Yeah. All right. So then you have, as we move towards Spaceship Earth, you've got the Camera Center Shop and Gateway Gifts on either side. Gateway Gifts sells seasonal souvenirs. Great place to get Mickey ears or a magic band. Um, the Camera Center was once home to film and cameras back when that was a thing. Uh, it's also a great. It was also a photo pass location. It also had video camera batteries, lens covers, and disposable cameras. Uh, now the Camera Center has since been kind of absorbed by the pin trading uh, kiosks, pin traders. So, but it's still called the Camera Center and pin traders now. Uh, but they still have camera stuff in there. They do. They do still have camera stuff in there, and now they just have lots of pins in there as well. That was because the pin trading kiosk was bulldozed when you know with the construction going on, and now that's it's become that. So you ready to get into Spaceship Earth? Of course. We've done a whole episode on Spaceship Earth before. I remember, yeah, I remember love it. we had your kids on Spaceship on the Spaceship Earth episode way back. It's, then. it's like Ethan's favorite. I'm pretty sure it was Ethan. I think it was just Ethan on that episode. Yeah. Uh, so this spaceship Earth is a geodesic sphere. Now, what does that mean? Um, a geodesic dome is a spherical or partial spherical shell structure or lattice shell based on a network of great circles on the surface of a sphere. The geodesics interact to form triangular elements that have local triangular rigidity and also distribute the stress across the structure. Now, in English, that means it's a big ball that's made out of triangles. Uh, Disney considered several different designs for Spaceship Earth as a building. That included a Roman building, a dome, a suspended map, and they also considered coloring the sphere gold, similar to a building from the 1967 World's Fair uh, World Expo in Montreal. I would have liked that because it's Canadian. Hmm, okay. 
Oh, yeah, the big gold sphere reminds me of being back home in Canada, eh? Triple, uh, actually, that would be like, Ah, sacre bleu, the big gold sphere reminds me of being home in Montreal. Uh, <laughs> took 26 months to build Spaceship Earth. So two months more than two years. Uh, the world's first, it is the world's first geodesic sphere. Most geodesic, um, uh, you know, buildings are domes. This was a sphere, but it is not a perfect sphere. Sphere. It's actually more oblong in shape. Really? Yeah. It is the only uh, freestanding sphere in the world, and it has an internal drainage system between the triangles on th- on the surface of it. So rainwater uh, is gathered into the sphere and actually runs into World Showcase Lagoon. Now, why do this? I'll tell you the main reason why. They did not want water to run off the sphere onto the heads of guests when it rains. That would be a problem. Yes. Um, Now, it weighs 16 million pounds and stands at 180 feet tall. It has 150,000 square feet. It's 150,000 square feet around and it is made up of 11,324 triangles made of polished aluminum that is as smooth as glass. It was actually originally designed to be a self-cleaning structure. I don't know how, but it was designed that way. Uh, but now it is regularly power washed to keep it clean. Wow, I wonder how they do that. Yeah, I would love to see that happen. Yeah, me too. Now, it is not the largest attraction at Epcot. Did you know that? Oh, okay. What do you think the largest attraction at Epcot is? I think this is a surprising one to a lot of people. Well, what do we mean by largest? Like the biggest attraction, and like the, the single largest like attraction space in Epcot. Hmm. I don't know. That is the seas with Nemo and friends. Oh, would make sense. You can actually fit Spaceship Earth inside of uh, the aquarium there. Now, I have heard tale that Guardians of the Galaxy... Um, the new coaster coming might be bigger because I know they said you could fit two spaceship earths in there or something like that. Okay. So that will have to be confirmed when that ride opens, but still at the moment it's the season with Nemo and friends. Okay. So here's another really interesting thing. Um, it's actually two spheres. It's not only just one, you have the inner sphere, which houses the attraction and then the outer sphere, which covers it. And here, so this is fascinating to me. Cast members once had to manually turn the cars for the big reveal of Earth at the top of it. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Until the ride was updated with a with a automatic revolving system. Cast members had to physically be up there and turn your car. Oh, that's Could funny. you imagine that's your job for, for like eight hours a day? You're you're you are turning the vehicles on Spaceship Earth. Now, do you th- like do you think the people in the vehicles knew they were being turned by somebody? I would assume so. It's a kabuki theater where they just wear black and pretend that they're invisible. Yeah, it's all dark over there. Why not? <laughs> that would be really weird if like one of them accidentally like touches a guest. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> shh, shh, don't don't spoil the illusion. Um, but yeah, they had to manually turn it, which I think. Like, do you think they like if a car came in that was empty? Do you think they still turned it? Yes. Okay. 
I don't think they probably like you know we're like oh let me see is there anyone in this one no okay I'll let that one go they probably didn't even take the time they probably just turn every car now spaceship earth has had four different narrators over the years it started with lawrence dobkin uh some of you may know from ten commandments but he was also uh uh cal on um star trek the next generation which i'm currently watching for the first time ever oh okay yeah no i'm enjoying it as a star wars guy i've never really gone to the trek other than like the chris pine movies Right, I same for me. I'm not a huge Trek guy, but um, you know, I've watched the original series here and there, but I really got into Next Generation. I, I think it's very good. Next Generation's fun. I can remember watching it as a kid a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I I enjoy Jean Luc Picard. I think he's me pretty too. cool. And Are you going to watch Picard on CBS All Access? Yeah, I mean, that was actually part of the reason was because I just love um, what's his name, uh, Sir Patrick Stewart, so much. Right, he's but, great in it. By the way, Patrick Stewart, that is my. That is my pick for who replaces Dame Judi Dench as the narrator of Spaceship Earth. Hmm. Could you imagine the voice of Captain Picard taking you on Spaceship Earth? Yeah, I would like it. Spaceship Earth. The final frontier. Anytime he talks about spaceships, I'm in. Yeah, no, absolutely. Thank the Phoenicians. They invented them. Um, (laughs) Make it so. He has to say make it so at some point. Oh, that would be amazing. Or if him and Ian McKellen did it together. <laughs> Wouldn't that be awesome? And at the end of it, you just have like a animatronics of like the two of them playing chess with each other. <laughs> All right, so four different areas. Lawrence Dobkin was the first. Then it was Walter Cronkite. Then Jeremy Irons, who I know is your favorite. That is my favorite. And currently D- uh, Dame Judi Dench. Also, many former presidents of the United States are featured in this attraction because it was cheaper to uh, use existing molds for animatronic faces than it was to make new ones. So a lot of the background characters are some of our lesser-known presidents. <laughs> um, the original mural art at the entrance of the building took two months to, cr- to complete, and it was made by Italian artist Claudio Mazzoli. It is nearly 25 feet long. Here's another interesting one. The skulls in the prehistoric scene were cast from actual human skulls that reside in the Page Museum. Wow, okay. Fascinating. The hieroglyphics in the Egypt scene are actually true translations of an actual letter from the pharaoh. In the same way, the Latin writing in the Roman scene is also accurate. Uh, In the scene with the printing press, Gutenberg is looking at an accurate reproduction of a page from the Gutenberg Bible. The switchboard on the telephone scene was built from a model of a late 1800 switchboard. Now, the switchboards and communication goes a lot into what the attraction was originally designed around. It was originally designed to focus solely on communication because it was sponsored by Bell Systems, and they created Earth Station at the exit. This included uh, Epcot's guest relations, the world key information kiosks, and previews of other attractions. It was kind of seen as the hub of Epcot earth station after that it was sponsored by at&t for a whopping 20 years that led to a renovation in 1986 called spaceship earth 2.0 it was they revamped it again in 1994 when earth station was changed into the global neighborhood uh with hands-on exhibits of communication technology that was currently available through at&t you could phone you could even phone relatives inside a soundproof booth and there was a simulator ride that let you ride through the at&t fiber optic network uh, this was updated again in 1999, and then their sponsorship ended in 2004, uh, ended in 2004 uh, when it was taken over by Siemens. 
Uh, Siemens, of course, built Project Tomorrow, which is currently closed because of pandemic reasons. Uh, in the exit, it has interactive games and, you know, the, the Your Future stuff kind of translates into there. And, of course, there's also the Siemens Lounge, which was built for Siemens employees in Spaceship Earth. Now, you've been in the Siemens Lounge, haven't you? I did go in the Siemens Lounge, yes. One of our, one of our listeners knew you were going on a trip, like, one of, one of our first years. And they contacted us to be like, hey, if Pete wants to go to the Siemens Lounge, let me know. And what was it like? Uh, you know, it, so it's really just a place you can kind of go and rest. And yeah. they have some soft drinks and stuff. But the greatest thing to me was the, you know, so you're looking out those windows yeah. from the backside of, of Spaceship Earth, and like kind of onto Epcot. Like that was, of course, the best thing for me, just of getting course. a different view of, you know, the part oh, totally. that I normally didn't have. Totally. The um, Now, right outside of Project Tomorrow, you've got two big important locations for Instagrammers. The bubblegum wall is right outside Project Tomorrow. That is a pink wall that people take pictures in front of. And the blueberry wall is right next to that. So these are two of the famed Disney walls the Insta- of, of Instagram fame. Uh, you think your daughter is going to become like a like a Disney Instagram wall girl eventually? Like, I doubt it, but I could, you know, I, I could see her doing it. So needs, it's possible. Needs a purple wall picture, a bubblegum wall, blueberry wall, a toothpaste wall. Needs all the walls. Basically. All the walls. Um, now, you have two sides here on Spaceship Earth. On the one side, on the right side, you had the Art of Disney, which is now closed. It featured artwork that you can buy. That actually has moved to the Heritage Manor gift shop in the American Adventure over in World Showcase, which we'll get to eventually. On the other side, you have Guest Relations, which is still open to the public and still accessible through the, um, the construction walls. Now, currently, the way it works is after you get off Spaceship Earth, as you move toward the center of future world, there's just a wall and you can either go to the right or left. Now, if you go to the right, it's going to take you over by the seas with Nemo and friends. And you kind of get this like different view of entering that area from like another location. Uh, but in the past you were able to just walk right through and there was the pin trader kiosk right there. One of my favorite pin locations. Okay. I really like it. I think it's right up there with the, um, the one in Disney Springs. Uh, the one in Disney Springs was always jarring, though, because it's an indoor location, so always, or it's an open-air indoor location, so I always kind of felt like it should have air conditioning, but didn't because there were no doors I anything. remember that also. Yeah, uh, but the pin trading kiosk was just a kiosk. It was awesome. Um, I think I bought some of my first pins there. My first um, pin lanyard, I believe I bought there. So Nice. Happy memory for me. Um, then you've got the electric umbrella, Pete, this is more your wheelhouse. So maybe talk a little bit about, you know, the offerings of the electric umbrella. You know, it was pretty much standard what you imagine Disney counter service to be, right? You're going to get a burger there or a pulled pork sandwich, uh, chicken fingers. I, I don't know why my son gravitated so much to this place. Having said that, I do love the decor. It was yeah. like, kind of like neon lights. And I loved they had an upstairs dining area that I thought was wonderful. And a lot of outdoor dining, um, which it's funny. I I wonder, are they utilizing that during this time? No, right? That's no, not even an issue. No, no you can't um, even get into that area. It's funny. When we were speculating, like, what they were going to do during the pandemic, I remember thinking, like, wow, like, umbrella, you know, Electric Umbrella has all that outdoor dining. Um, I know they're probably going to replace it, so it won't be Electric Umbrella anymore. But yeah, I don't know. Probably. I would like it if, I, well, you know what? I, I trust them. I'm curious to see what they put in that spot. Yeah, um, so also now, I liked the, um, they had like a beer cheese steak, London broil sandwich there for a while that I thought was really good. Oh, I never had that. Was it good? It was so good. 
I got it at one of the DVC parties um, because you got the meal voucher and you can take it to Electric Umbrella. Um, so that was good. They had a soda fountain in there, obviously, also for drink refills and whatnot. Uh, there was a talking trash can in there, not like push, but there was a trash can off to the left, the left side of the restaurant uh, where when you, op- when you opened it to throw your stuff out, it would like say something to you. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it was one of those little like hidden gems. Uh, then you had a Starbucks location directly across from there. Um, it's a Starbucks, not really much to say about it. But now I'd like to talk a little bit about Interventions East and West. Okay. Okay. This is a collection of exhibits showcasing technological advancements, and it was in the buildings that kind of surround this central area of Future World. It opened in 1994, but before that, it was known as Communicore. Communicore was uh, kind of the same concept, but it was mostly about computers as it launched in 1982, which was kind of the dawn of the computer age. Uh, In the southern quadrant of Communicore East, one could shop at the Centorium, the largest merchandise location in Epcot Center, which I believe eventually became something you know well that we'll talk about in a little bit, that being Mouse Gear. The Stargate Restaurant was also in the northern quadrant of Communicore East, which I believe, and, and the Sunshine... I'm sorry, the Sunrise Terrace Restaurant in the Southern Quadrant of Communicore West were open for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I believe Electric Umbrella kind of, like, came from that, right? I may be wrong on that. I couldn't find information on that, but it sounds right. Other exhibits inside Communicore East included Compute Coaster, the Great American Census Quiz. (laughs) That sounds thrilling. (laughs) (laughs) Complete a census survey. (laughs) Uh, Get Set Jet and the Flag Games, all featuring brand new touchscreen technology. Also featured were the Travel Port and the electric, the Electronic Forum, where one could take the Epcot Pole, an interactive sense of some popular issues. One could also take a look at the Population Clock, a device that displayed the rough population of the United States and changed accordingly with every passing second. Communicore East was also the residence of SMRT-1, a friendly robot who used the latest in voice recognition technology to interact with guests. You know what I'm going to say here. I know. Don't do it. Like, do, like Smart One sounds like the birth of, of Skynet. You right. Know, it's exactly what, what leads to Merv 13 and the decimation of mankind. Um, you know, I will point out that before Epcot opened, there was a, um, an, like, over at the Walt Disney Story on Main Street USA in the Magic Kingdom, there was an Epcot preview center. Right. You know who hosted that preview center? I do. Out of work animatronic Owl Hoot Gibson was the hosted the preview for Epcot. So and probably thought he was gonna be involved in the finished product of Epcot, but he was not. He was he's not no, oh, he's no orange bird. No, certainly not. Oh, you think he hates the orange bird? Oh yeah, he has to. He has to hate the orange bird. Right. Like this, this bird getting all this attention while while him, the wizened owl, is like you know, like hey, I'm a real bird. He's his head is made of citrus. <laughs> oh, he's got to hate the orange bird so much. He can't even talk. I can hoot. He can't. He's just made of oranges. He's vitamin C with wings. Uh, <laughs> At Communicore West was FutureCom, an, ex- an exhibit sponsored by AT&T that focused on the advent of things like electronic commerce, expo robotics, and an educational resource center called, at various times, Epcot Outreach, Ask Epcot, and the Epcot Discovery Center. 
Planned exhibits incorporated into the design of the buildings included a second floor intended to house a people mover system, which would allow riders to preview the features and attractions within Communicore. The buildings were also designed so that they could easily be expanded outwards, facilitating easy additions to expand the exhibit capacity of the attraction as a whole. Now, that would have been cool to have a people mover in Future World. It sounds like that was the idea. Became, I mean, it seems like it would fit perfectly, too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It became Interventions in 1994. Um, in 1999, Interventions had a major renovation for the park's Millennium Celebration and added the subtitle, The Road to Tomorrow. In 2007 to 2008, Interventions underwent another major renovation, dropped the subtitle, and changed its general aesthetic again while also launching the companion website, interventions.disney.com. This was a, they originally displayed Sega tech, including the Sega Genesis, the Sega Game Gear, Sega CD, and other Sega systems as in kind of like an arcade area. I do, I do remember that. I do remember there being Sega stuff. Um, it also had, in 96 and 97, it had Aladdin's Magic Carpet Adventure, which I remember playing in 97. Okay. It was, like a, it was, a v, it was the first VR game I ever played. You like literally, you put the helmet on, you, you like piloted the Magic Carpet. That's kind of cool. Yeah. It was really hard, though. They moved to Disney Quest, and I remember doing it there also. Epcot's Interventions mascot for 2000 to 2007 was a small audio animatronic character character named Tom Morrow 2.0, the former host of Disney Channel's Imagineer That Shorts. He was removed in the 2007 to 2008 renovation, and Interventions officially closed on May 19th, 2015. Do you have any cool Interventions uh, memories? Don't, to be honest with you, I hardly did it. Yeah. Wasn't an area I spent a lot of time. Yeah, well, then eventually, interventions. Um, part of it was changed into um, Colortopia. Right, um, I remember that. Which is like a Crayola kind of like thing about the color spectrum. Uh, but yeah, it is currently no more. It, it, it closed in 2015. They had said they were going to renovate Innova- Interventions West, but then they never did. Then you got Club Cool, um, the most exclusive club in Epcot. Or at least, Love it, Club cool. at least it was. Uh, it was a good place to cool off, cause as as the name you know implies, and you could get uh, free little tiny sample sizes of Coke products from around the world. Uh, so if you found one that you liked, it was a good place to go cool off and get a free beverage. Uh, now, of course, this is the home of the Beverly, which is the most despised drink in all of Walt Disney World and maybe the world. It is a fascinating beverage. It's fascinatingly awful. I maintain that I think the Beverly is supposed to be like like a base for a mixed drink, and it is not an actual Italian soft drink. No, you might totally be right, because it tastes like something's gone wrong with the fountain machine. It's like trying to drink tonic water. It's weird. Yeah, like it's just so nasty. So there was the Beverly Challenge where people would like try to trick their friends into drinking Beverly. Or, I did that. Or having to drink like five Beverlies or something like that and not throw up. I, I made my brother-in-law drink like a whole bunch of it. I was like, dude, it's great. You just got to like almost down it. Yeah. And he's like, all right. And he did it. He was like, oof. It was, oh, it's so bad, dude. It's so, so bad. Though I, this was, I would actually typically go in there and spend money because it's where I would get a frozen Coke. Yes. On a real hot day, a nice frozen Coke from Club Cool was the way to cool off. On my birthday, actually, I went in and got it on my birthday. And because it was my birthday, they, like, filled the frozen Coke up and then, like, took the like the, the strawberry or raspberry flavor and made a Mickey head on top of the frozen Coke with it. Oh, that's neat. Isn't that cool? I thought that was really neat. 
Then we've got Mouse Gear, home of all of the merchandise and the worst cast member costumes in probably all of Walt Disney World. <laughs> Those Mouse yeah. Gear costumes are bad. The the yellow, red, and blue mo- like who designed those? Which is funny because I would love to work there. Uh huh. I mean, that's just it's everything I love about Disney. I love like all different types of merchandise. I mean, nah. more so than any place in the rest of this tour. I think this is kind of the place where it is your favorite place. So I do. Is it wrong that like a store is my favorite place? No. I do just love mouse gear. I mean, look, retail is your life. I love it. I like all the. Talk mer- about- I like the fact they have so many different kinds of merchandise. All right, so talk to us about mouse gear a little bit. Um, mouse gear. I mean, what what you if you want something, they probably have it, right? So, I mean, the big Disney merch stores are the Emporium, of course, and Magic Kingdom, and World of Disney in Springs. Uh, mouse gear, of course, is my favorite of the big three, just because I like that they had you know. So many things in a cool design store. You could buy a really high-end watch there. You could buy a piece of jewelry. You could yes. buy a nice Dooney and Burke bag. At the same time, you can go find tub toys for your kids. Yes. And as someone who likes um, kind of like crazy blind box type things, I would go there all the time and buy Vinylmations back when like that was like all the rage. I remember that, yeah. So they always had a lot of like the collectibles also. I mean, even the last time I was there, I bought a... Um, a food and wine figment pop because they had those. Okay. Uh, I also like the fact that they have many different registers. I know that sounds crazy, but when you're talking about being there at like Christmas time or time where there's a lot of like volume of merchandise in the store, but also a lot of people having many registers is extremely helpful. Yeah. I mean, the Emporium has that too. The Emporium has like five checkout counters like all over the place. I like that they have one like kind of all over the place. I believe um, that the I, current um, the current mouse gear, the temporary location while they do the renovations, has two. Yes, they have one in the front and then one off on the right. Yeah, so um, it's, cur- it's, funny. it's currently housed in what was formerly Interventions East. That it's so weird, like just seeing pictures of that place because it is like any random you know rectangular store in the mall that is now kind of being rented by some other store yep it, it, it just lo- looks it looks so out of place and weird it's a pop-up store it's like spirit halloween right exactly it is so weird looking yeah it is super weird looking i mean it's i mean they had to you know keep mouse gear open during the renovation but uh do you have have you heard any word on like what they're doing with Mouse Gear or what they were supposed to be doing with Mouse no, Gear? No, which is which is funny because the design of Mouse Gear is something I genuinely like. I like the big Mouse Gears, you know, that were actually in the yeah. store. I love the outside windows um, that they used, the ones on the inside. Like I liked so much of that store and thought it was still kind of current looking. I am curious as to what they're going to do, but I imagine they're going to make it awesome. Well, I mean, I know part a part of it like more toward like the world showcase side is like demolished. Hmm. So I don't know, like, I don't know what they're going to do if they're building it out more, but you got to think that when the new Epcot opens, there's going to be a, 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 I mean, I'm hoping it's going to be this awesomely themed, very unique looking store. I'm worried it's going to look like what world of Disney looks like now. I know that's what I don't want where they just kind of like removed all the originality out of it and just turned it into a, a regular retail location. Yeah, I know that would be that would be crushing. Now, the last thing that we're going to talk about in Central Future World here is um, the Fountain of Nations. 
Right. Because the Fountain of Nations would, every 15 minutes, it would play synchronized music where the water would spurt up. It also had a stage in front of it that hosted many different shows throughout the years. But here's the really interesting thing that I found. Um, it was actually dedicated by Walt's widow, widow, Lillian Disney. And it dates back to the opening day of Epcot. People from 23 different countries brought water from their homelands, which was then poured into the fountain, representing the world community brought together in Epcot. Okay. Isn't that really interesting and cool? Yeah, that's nice. I love that. I th- The Fountain of Nations is something that I'm definitely going to miss. I mean... <laughs> There's a lot that's supposed to be coming to this area of future world. But like I said, like there was going to be this new festival center that they're building with rooftop seating. And now apparently that's not happening or right. like the rooftop area is not happening. which supposed to be great for fireworks. And then there's supposed to be that like Imaginer's point with like the Walt statue outside of Spaceship Earth. And I, who knows? Who knows at this point, like what's going on with everything? Uh, it's a really interesting thing because... I know we all think of Disney as having like more money than anybody, but they've taken a real hit in the last couple oh, months. Oh yeah, billions. I wonder of how dollars. that's going to affect these parks that are, you know, mostly Epcot. That's a little bit in transition. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, I know things like the Mary Poppins uh, area of the UK Pavilion is on hold, and yep, like a bunch of other things that they they announced are are on indefinite hold. But like the things that I've heard are definitely moving forward. Uh, are obviously the Guardians of the Galaxy roller coaster because that's like most of the way done. Um, the Remy's Ratatouille adventure because again, it's right, same pr- thing. it's pretty much mostly done. And there are a few other things that I had just seen people say like, oh yeah, this is still happening, but you know, we we will see, we will see as time goes on. Uh, all right, and that is Central Future World. Now, what do you want to do? Do you want to go to Future World East or West next? I would go East, me personally. Okay, is that how you typically do it? No, I just I always feel like, you know, east to west. Hmm. Okay. All right. I mean, Future World East is the land and like that whole Love the land. So it's the land, it's the Imagination Pavilion, it's the seas. So we will dive into that next week on our next version of our tour. That'll be... So anything else you want to add about Central Future World or the background of Epcot? I mean, I know it's your favorite park, so this is kind of like... It is my favorite park, and I do love the music and the soundtrack and everything about it. Um, But, you know, a little trepidation over what it's going to become. Yeah, definitely. Um, Okay, so anything else you wanted to to add? Are we uh, about done, you think? Ready to head out? Yeah, I thought that was good. All right. Well, uh, that's going to do it for Two Men in the Mouse this week, folks. Thank you guys so much for joining us and for coming along on our world tour as we start a whole new park. Can't wait to bring Future World Future World East to you guys uh, coming up next week. Um, you know, time permitting, it might be another, like, you know, different topic that is less, uh, you know, intensive as far as research goes, depending on the on, on my personal time that i have to do the research for but you know we thank you guys if you love our buddy peter mandel please check him out at rogue comics at 105 north union avenue cranford new jersey 07016 or roguecomics.com where you can find a link to pete's ebay store of course folks if you're planning that disney trip or universal trip for anywhere in the world that these places are located check out our good friend and sponsor dave weikert of magical travel who will plan your vacation for you at no additional cost to you uh and of course take advantage of those um discounted room rates with dave right now because that is a killer deal like it's it's really really awesome 
Uh, and folks, if you're going to be renting a crib or stroller on that Dave Weikert planned vacation, check out our buddies over at Kingdom Strollers for all of your crib and stroller rental needs in the Orlando area. And for me, folks, the Ross and Annie series, of course, up on Amazon.com. The audiobooks for Ross and Annie and The Decimation of Cassid are both available right now on Audible. Uh, which you can get with a free Audible trial for no cost whatsoever. Uh, please check out the Morty Monster YouTube channel. We just put up a video where Morty and I actually sang a duet together, a Rainbow Connection from the Muppet movie. Uh, Morty also has a bunch of really cool videos up there. He's got a bunch of Animal Kingdom videos that are coming out, and hopefully in the next week. Uh, he just finished an Epcot series, so you know, please check those out. Uh, well, that does it uh, again for this week. Pete, any closing words? Uh, real quick, did you watch the uh, Candace movie? I have not yet because I have not finished Phineas and Ferb yet. Oh, okay. So I'm actually binging it currently. I watched it. Loved it. All right. Awesome. Glad to hear that it recaptures the spirit of Phineas and Ferb. Uh, Please, folks, keep the magic alive every day of your lives. We'll see you next week on Two Men and the Mouse. So there's a great big beautiful tomorrow shining at the end of every day. There's a great big beautiful tomorrow just a dream away if you're standing please hold on to the handrails and stay clear of the doors until the monorail stops completely and the doors open if this concludes your visit we hope you've had a wonderful time and will return home safely thank you for traveling with us